If you died now, would you be happy with your life? Other questions are what would you regret? What would you be sad that was left undone? And what would you be proud of? And listen, if you're listening to this and able to ask yourself those questions, that means there's still time to turn it all around. So listen, if you died today and you wouldn't be happy with the life that you lived, start living the life you want to live. Hey leader, and welcome to episode number 301 of the L3 Leadership Podcast, where we are obsessed with helping you grow to your maximum potential and to maximize the impact of your leadership. My name is Doug Smith, and I am your host, and today's episode is brought to you by my friends at Baritongue Advisors. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here, and I hope that you'll enjoy our content and become a subscriber. And if you've been with us for a while, thank you so much for listening. Just make sure that you're subscribed so you get every episode when it comes out. And it would mean the world to me if you would leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever app you listen to podcasts through. That really does help us to grow our audience and reach more leaders, which is our whole mission here at L3 Leadership. So thank you in advance for that. In today's episode, you'll hear me share part two of the top lessons that I learned in 2021. Specifically, you'll hear me talk about lessons that I learned on legacy, calling, money, friends, parenting, and marriage. And I think those will add a ton of value to your life. But before we dive into the episode, just a few announcements. This episode of the L3 Leadership Podcast is sponsored by Baritongue Advisors. The financial advisors at Baritongue Advisors help educate and empower clients to make informed financial decisions. You can find out how Baritongue Advisors can help you develop a customized financial plan for your financial future by visiting their website at baritongueadvisors.com. That's B-E-R-A-T-U-N-G advisors.com. Securities and investment products and services offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA and SIPC. Baritongue Advisors, LPL Financial, and L3 Leadership are separate entities. I also want to thank our sponsor, Henny Jewelers. They're a jeweler owned by my friend and mentor, John Henny. My wife, Laura, and I got our engagement and wedding rings through Henny Jewelers, and we just had a wonderful experience. And not only do they have great jewelry, but they also invest in people. In fact, for every engaged couple that comes into their store, they give them a book to help them prepare for marriage, and we just love that. So if you're in need of a good jeweler, check out hennyjewelers.com. And with all that being said, let's dive right into the episode. Here's the part two of the top lessons that I learned in 2021. Hey, leader, today I'd like to talk to you on the subject, the top lessons that I learned in 2021, part two. If you haven't had a chance to listen to part one, you can go back and listen to that in episode number 300. In part one, I covered the lessons that I learned in leadership and business and in building your platform. And today I will cover lessons that I learned about legacy, calling, money, friends, parenting, and marriage. And so I really encourage you, there's a ton of value in both of these episodes. So make sure you listen to them both. But with that being said, let's dive right into this lesson. The first category that I want to cover today is lessons that I learned about death and leaving a legacy. And I know this isn't a very fun subject to talk about as leaders, but I think it's an important one. And here's what I want you to know, leaders, that one day we are all going to die and we're all going to leave a legacy behind. One day, we are all going to die and leave a legacy behind. And that was a very front and center for me this year as we lost three significant heroes of the faith in our city here in Pittsburgh in Jay Passavant, Tunchokin, and Denny Patton. And if you're from Pittsburgh and know any of those three gentlemen, I actually re-released interviews that I did with each of them and put them on the podcast last year. And we'll include links to those for you to listen to in the show notes. I encourage you to go back and to listen to them because they are all very, very, very profound. So here are a few thoughts that helped me this year when it comes to dealing with the subject of death and legacy, and I think they'll add value to your life as well. The first one was, I remember listening to John Bevere, and, and he said that there was a time in his walk with God where God dealt with his heart, and he said, John, you haven't given me this area yet, the fear of death. 
And that made me really just think about and reflect on the fact that I don't know that I've given God the fear of death either. And that's the subject that I've been studying for the past few years and really trying to get rid of the fear of death in my life. And so what's helped me do that in my life? Uh, Number one was really journeying with Denny Patton, who we lost this past year. The way he handled the end of his life was just absolutely remarkable. And I remember having lunch with Denny this year, and I remember Denny looking at me and he said, Doug, one of these days, I'm going to wake up and I'm not going to be here anymore. I'm going to be with Jesus. And so as a result, I've been studying about heaven because I want to know what's in store for me. And he said, let me just tell you something. I'm getting excited. And he recommended this book he read called Heaven by Randy Elkhorn. And so Laura and I picked up a copy and it is absolutely incredible. It gives you a picture of what heaven's going to look like. And we have a ton to look forward to. Let me just tell you that. And so if you have a fear of death in your life, please pick up the book Heaven by Randy Elkhorn. It'll really help you. The second thing that really helped me start to overcome the fear of death was Dr. Daniel Amen. And he's incredible. He's a psychiatrist. And he deals with people all the time who have a fear of death. And he said the one exercise he has them all do, he said, instead of focusing out on what you'll be missing out on, why don't you start focusing on what you have to look forward to? Very similar to what Denny said. And so I started journaling and just wrote, you know, hey, one day in heaven, I'm going to get to see my mom again. (laughs) I'm going to get to see my sister again. I'm going to get to see my grandparents again. I'm going to get to see my mother-in-law, Judy, again. I'm going to get to see Jay, Tunch, and Denny again. I'm going to be in paradise with Jesus. I'm going to be in a place where there's no more pain and no more suffering. And listen, I know God will take care of my girls, Lara and the family. Like God will take care of all of that. And I have a lot to look forward to, whether I die a minute from now or whether I die a hundred years from now. But do that exercise. Write down what you have to look forward to and it'll really help you overcome the fear of death. And the third thing that helped me start to overcome the fear of death was just a list of questions. And these are questions that I would encourage you to ask in your life. These really, really helped me. But the first one is this. If you died now, would you be happy with your life? And that question was so profound for me because when I evaluated that and, and reflected on it, I realized that I'd be very happy with the life I've lived. God's been very, very good to me. I've lived an awesome 36 years and, uh, and I'd be okay. You know, there's a lot of things I still want to do, but if 36 years is all I get, I'm very, very grateful for the 36 years I've had. Other questions are, what would you regret? What would you be sad that was left undone? And what would you be proud of? And listen, if you're listening to this and able to ask yourself those questions, that means there's still time to turn it all around. So listen, if you died today and you wouldn't be happy with the life that you lived, start living the life you want to live. Get a vision for your life. Create a life plan. Set some goals. You can turn your whole life around with one decision right now. Let's go. Do something with your life. Be intentional with your life. Live a life that matters. Live a life that you'll be proud of. Live a life with no regrets and that you'd be a life that you'd be happy with if you died. And as far as legacy is concerned, I recorded an entire lesson with my thoughts on a leader's legacy in episode number 288. I really encourage you to go back and listen to that. But two thoughts I'll leave with you that really challenged me in my year-end review. One was a text from Denny Patton that he actually left in an app that he developed called The Family Wins. It's a phenomenal devotional. I'd encourage you to look it up, thefamilywins.org, and uh, you can get a copy of that. But he left this in a a group chat, and I, I just thought this was so powerful. He said, I don't want to leave a legacy. I don't care if they remember my name, only Jesus. Lord, that is the true desire of my heart, and it's what has led my life for the past 51 years. No legacy, no remembering of me, only Jesus. I love you, Lord Jesus. And if you're a believer out there and a person of faith, I can't think of a more challenging paragraph than that one right there. So thank you, Denny, for that. And the other thought that really challenged me was one of my favorite Christian artists named Mark Schultz. He wrote a song called Before You Call Me Home. And there's a line in the, in the song that I think is so powerful about legacy. And it's just about his kids. And he said, I want my kids to think of you 
when they speak my name. And I'll talk more about this when we get to parenting, but you know, you think about legacy. Really, your kids are your legacy if you if you've been blessed to have kids. And for me, the legacy that I want to leave with my kids is I want people, I want my kids to think about God when they think about me. And I want them to walk with God as a result of the way that I walked with God. That's really all I care about at the end of my life. Did people know Jesus because of me? Did people walk with him and did my family walk with him? That's really all that matters. And that's what Denny was saying. Let's move on to category number two. I want to talk to you about lessons that I learned about your calling and my calling. And the first one is this. God has a calling and a purpose for your life. Don't miss it. Very, very simple, but you need to hear it. God has a calling and a purpose for your life. Don't miss it. And in my lunch with Denny Patton, he challenged me so much. He made such a difference in my life this year. He looked at me and he said, Doug, do you want to live another 20 years and not do what God called you to do? Anyone can do some of what you're doing, but they aren't capable of doing what you're called to do. He said, accept your calling, Doug, and don't care about the world. And listen, I'm, I'm 36 years old right now. In 20 years, I'm going to be 56. And that's certainly not the end of my journey by any means, but it's certainly closer than the beginning of my journey. These next 20 years are absolutely essential in my life. And I'm either going to spend the next 20 years of my life chasing after and fulfilling the call of God in my life, or I'm going to chase what everyone else chases, money, security, and everything else. And those 20 years are going to go by, and I'm either going to look back with regret and not pursuing my calling, or I'm going to look back with fulfillment, knowing that I pursued God's calling on my life with everything I have. And I hope that you do the same thing. And then Denny encouraged me with this. He said, Doug, remember, if people get to heaven, they win. And if they don't, they lose. And at the end of the day, no matter what you're called to do in your vocation, we're called to lead people and get people into heaven. That's what we're ultimately all called to do with however we're gifted to do that. And listen, if people get to heaven, they win. And if they don't, they lose. And so eternity hangs in the balance. So what are you going to do with that call in our life? I love what my friend Matthew Gebert said to me. He said, Doug, if there is one, our job is not done. If there's one person that doesn't know Christ, our job is not done. If there's one person that's homeless, our job is not done. If there's one person that's hungry, our job is not done. If there's one person that's hurting, our job is not done. If there's one person that's been abused, our job is not done. If there's one, our job is not done. Please get serious about the calling of your life. Your calling of the life has nothing to do with how much money you make and all those other things. It just makes, it's just about making a difference in the lives of others. I had a friend pray this prayer over me recently. I thought it was so profound. He said, God, help Doug to make an eternal difference not just one that lasts a few hours, days, weeks, months, or years. And I thought that was so powerful. I don't want to make a difference that, that just lasts a month. I want to make an eternal difference with my life. God has a calling and a purpose for your life and my life. Let's not miss it. The second lesson I learned in this area of calling is this, be faithful to your ministry, your ministry. And I got this from Brian Tome in episode number 294. It was one of my favorite interviews of the year. If you haven't listened to it, please go back and listen to it. But Brian Tome said this in it. He said, the Bible says, do the work of an evangelist, endure suffering, fulfill your ministry, your ministry. And he said, I think we missed this. So often we're focused on, we need to have the same ministry as Billy Graham or Mother Teresa or name your favorite hero or the person that you want to be like. And he said, no, no, no. You need to find out what your ministry is and the ministry that God's calling you to and the people God's calling you to reach. And he said, at some point in your journey, you need to stop being a cover band. He said, cover bands are nice, but cover bands don't change the world. And that was life changing to me. Find out what your ministry is and be faithful to it. Lesson number three, rest in who God made you to be and what he has called you to do. Rest in who God made you to be 
and what he's called you to do. And a few thoughts when it comes to resting and, and your calling. The first one is actually a story that I absolutely loved and encouraged me so much from Dallas Jenkins. And if you don't know Dallas, he's the creator of The Chosen. If you haven't seen The Chosen series, I highly recommend it. It was life-changing for Laura and I, and we recommend it to everyone that we know. Dallas was sharing his story, and I don't know how many years ago, but he was producing this movie, and the movie was supposed to make him a big-time Hollywood producer. Uh, all the critics were saying this is going to rake in millions and millions of dollars and bring in so many views, and he was so excited. He had such a promising future ahead. And the night the movie debuted, it absolutely tanked. It didn't bring in near the money they thought it would or near the views. And he said, literally in the course of a few hours, I went from someone with a promising Hollywood career to no Hollywood career. And he was absolutely devastated. Him and his wife were crying and they were praying. And his wife got two words from God. And one of them wasn't very clear, but she just said, I think God wants to teach us something about the loaves and the fish. The loaves and the fish, that's all I can see in my heart. And so his wife ended up going to bed that night and he couldn't sleep and he was up all night and he said it was 4 a.m. and he was on his computer and he was on Facebook and this person that he was friends with but hadn't connected with in over a year messaged him randomly at 4 a.m. And all of the message said, it didn't say hi or anything, it just said, remember, your job is not to feed the 5,000, it's only to provide the loaves and the fish. I'll repeat that because this is important. Remember, your job is not to feed the 5,000, it's only to provide the loaves and fish. And Dallas ended up messaging the guy and saying, well, what are you doing up at 4 a.m.? And, and it ended up the guy was in an uh, entirely different time zone. He was in Italy. And he said, well, if you don't mind me asking, why did you message me about the loaves and the fish? And the guy said, I don't know. God just put that on my heart to message you what I told you. And Dallas said it ministered to him so much. And he realized that all he needs to do is just keep being faithful with what God puts in his hand. Whether or not it fails, whether or not it tanks, it, that, that doesn't matter. But just be faithful with what God put in your hand. So from that moment on, he stopped worrying about what the outcomes were going to be. He stopped worrying about the results, and he just focused on being faithful with the loaves and the fish, so to speak, that God put in his hand. And little did he know that the next project that he would work on was actually the beginning of him starting The Chosen series. And The Chosen has blown up and gone all over the world and made a bigger difference than he could have ever imagined making. And it's all because he changed his mindset and just determined that he would be faithful with whatever God puts in his hand. And I think there's such a lesson in that to all of us that we just need to be faithful with what God put in our hands and what we're doing and trust God for the results. It, whether, whether something succeeds or fails, we really don't know the impact of everything that we're doing. And the reality is if God puts something in your hands to be faithful with, it's for a reason. So keep being faithful leaders with whatever God puts in your hand. It's the greatest thing that you can ever do with your life. Just two more thoughts on resting in God's calling for your life. I love what my mentor, John Stallworth, said to me. He said, Doug, God takes responsibility for your life counting. You can just rest in that statement. God takes responsibility for your life counting. If that's true, I don't have to strive my whole life to make a difference. I don't have to strive to make my life count and to leave a legacy. If I'm just faithful with what he put in my hand again, God will take responsibility for my life counting. I love that. And then Bob Gurn said this. He said, I ask God nearly every morning to show me the work that he has for me on this day. Having come to this point in my life, I do not presume that he has big plans for me but I am totally content to work at whatever he has for me. And I just want to encourage you, can you just be grateful? And can I be grateful for just the simplicity of being used by God, whether it's in a small way or a significant way? Because oftentimes it's the small ways that God uses us that, that are actually the most significant. So friend, please rest in who God made you to be and what he's called you to do and enjoy your life. Stop striving, rest in God. He will make your life count. All right, here we go. Category number three, lessons that I learned about money this year or continue to learn about money. 
Number one is get your financial life in order. And if your financial life is not in order, the first thing I'd recommend you to do is get a vision for your finances. And the second thing I'd encourage you to do is get a plan for your finances. And for Laura and I, what's worked really, really well is following Dave Ramsey's baby steps. If you're unfamiliar with Dave Ramsey, check him out. Buy the book, The Total Money Makeover. Listen to his podcast. He has seven baby steps that'll literally walk you into a, a fantastic place financially. So follow Dave Ramsey's baby steps. And then number two, I would encourage you to get a financial advisor. Um, we got one a few years ago and they've been a game changer for us. And so again, you need a coach in every area of your life. And so you need a financial advisor. And you know, if you want to have some fun, I actually make our financial advisor grade us in every single area of finance. And I literally make him make a report card. So in every area of finance, I'm either getting an A, B, C, D, or F. And and then he actually lays out what I need to do to get an A in that area. And so that really helps us with our vision and our strategy and, and our focus of what we're going through um, and, and helps us to have a plan for our finances. So again, connect with Dave Ramsey and get a financial advisor. The second lesson I learned about money was really challenging, and it's this. Find the areas of greed, pride, and selfish ambition in your life and eliminate them. And this is huge. And, and I don't have the quote in front of me, but I think Tim Keller once said that Jesus thought twice as much about greed as he did lust and sexual sin. And yet none of us think that we're guilty of it. And so we really need to identify these areas. And, and I really got challenged by a friend and mentor in my life named Eric Guy. And he was just mentoring me one day. And, and he said, Doug, you have to determine how much is too much in your life and how much is enough. And I thought this was so profound. He said, you have to determine how much is too much and how much is enough. And we were specifically talking about a house and Laura and I have been looking to buy a house for the past few years and we have a pretty specific vision for what we want for a house. And I was just sharing that with Eric and he said, Doug, let me just ask you something about that. He said, is the house about you? He said, is the house about you? He said, Doug, what are you going to do with a house that big? Or do you just want a house like that so people can drive by and say, wow, look what Doug Smith has or look what Doug Smith does. And he said, Doug, if it's ever about money, if it's ever about being noticed, if it's ever about needing affirmation, and it's not about living out God's plan for your life, it needs to be eliminated from your heart. Trust God. Now, does that mean God doesn't want you to have a big house or anything like that? No, it's all about a heart issue. And from that point on, I try to evaluate everything through that lens. You know, whether it's buying a house, whether it's buying anything, whether it's posting on social media, if it's ever about me needing to be noticed, me needing affirmation and, and not about living out God's plan for my life, I need to eliminate that from my heart. And perhaps I don't need that in my life. And, you know, a lot of people talk about the prosperity gospel. And I love the definition of prosperity that I heard once. And the definition was this prosperity just simply means fully supplied. The Bible says that God promises to fully supply all of your needs according to his riches. And I think this is so important, your needs, not your greed. God said he'll supply all of your needs, not your greed. And listen, here's what I know. And here's what I know about me. Here's what I know about you. God will give you everything that you need to fulfill your ministry here, your ministry in your life and be content and rest in that. So leader, I just want to challenge you like Eric challenged me, find the areas of greed, pride, and selfish ambition in your life and eliminate them. Category number four, friendship. And I've shared this on the podcast before, but I'll share it again. Last fall, I went through a, a very difficult and dark season of my life. And I reached out to a lot of my friends and a reoccurring theme that happened in those conversations was all of my friends said, Doug, you've been neglecting deep friendships in your life for a long time. And I shared that with Eric Guy, who I was just talking about at the same coffee we were having. And he said, Doug, you need to determine the roles you want in your life. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, you need to determine the roles you want in your life. 
And he explained, you know, do you want to be a husband, a father, a friend, a leader? What do you want to be in? And what order do you want to be in? And I said, oh, well, that's easy. I want to be a husband, father, friend, and leader. And he said, well, that's great, but you haven't been living that way. <laughs> he said, you've been putting a leader ahead of all of those other roles and not living those in priority. And so I've spent my whole last year really focusing on being a husband first, a father second, a friend third, and a leader fourth. And I want to encourage you, if you've never determined the roles in your life and actually see if you're living that way, I encourage you to do that exercise. It was life-changing for me. But friendships are so important. And we need to make time for our friends. This is lesson number two. Make time for your friends. This is so simple. But in the, in the series, The Chosen, Jesus said this. He said, if we don't make time for friends, we won't have any. That is profound. If we don't make time for friends, we won't have any. You have to make time for your friends. Please put it in your calendar, friend dates. Laura and I have goals every, every month we want to connect with a different couple or connect with friends one-on-one. -on -one. You need to put those in your calendar. Lesson number three on friendship, be there when your friends need you. Be there when your friends need you. I'm so grateful for the friends that walked me through the darkest season of my life, who went for walks with me, who interrupted their day to be a friend to me. I'll never forget it as long as I, I, as long as I live. And, and I love what my friend Zach Blair says. He says this all the time. He said, Doug, people remember two things, when you were there for them and when you weren't. So good. People will remember two things, when you were there for them and when you weren't. Be there when people need you. Category number five, lessons that I learned on parenting. And for time's sake, I'm not going to be able to share a ton of lessons that I learned about parenting, but I did record an entire lesson on how Laura and I are leading our family team in episode number 276. So if you're interested in that, I encourage you to go back and listen to that entire lesson. It'll really add value to your life. So aside from that lesson, just a few thoughts on family that I want to leave you with today. The first one is something my friend Alan Wampler said to me, and he said, Doug, it's crazy how often families can come down to one decision. It's crazy how often families can come down to one decision. And leader, here's what I want you to know. If your family isn't where you want it to be, you are one decision away from changing the trajectory of your family forever. One decision. I can't tell you how many stories I know of of one person that made one decision that transformed and changed their entire family tree. You can change your family with one decision if you'll just be intentional. It could be you, leader. Fight for your family. Do everything you can to create the family that you believe God is calling you to create. You can do it with one decision. Let's go. And the second thought I'll leave you with when it comes to family is just remember what's important. Remember what's important. What's important? The most important thing is that you make sure that your kids and your family know God. That's what really, really matters. I was listening to Crawford Loritz, who's a pastor, and he was sharing a story about when he was dropping his son off to college. And he was really, really thinking about, man, what, what can I say when I drop him off? What should I say? What should I say? And in the end, he just said something very, very simple. And he just looked at his son and he said, son, you don't have to do what I do. And you don't have to make me proud. Just obey God. Just obey God. That's all that matters. I already shared the quote from Mark Schultz, my, one of my favorite Christian artists, when he has a quote in a song that said, I want my kids to think of you when they speak my name. Make sure that you're leading by example, parents. Make sure that you're spending time with God. Make sure that you're praying with your kids. Model for them what a relationship with God looks like, because really all that matters is that your kids know and love God. And just a few other things on what's important. I love what Eric Guy said to me. He said, Doug, remember that no one at home cares about who you are on the outside. That is so good. No one at home cares about who you are on the outside. They just love you. Stop striving and just love your kids. 
And the last lesson was, was this is a little fun, but it's so profound. But if you're like me, I'm an Enneagram seven. I want to experience everything. And I often have FOMO, which is what the fear of missing out. And one of my mentors said, my wife coined a new phrase. And I said, what's the phrase? He said, Jomo. I said, what is Jomo? And he said, the joy of missing out, the joy of missing out. (laughs) And they were wired very similarly. They love being a part of things, but they had to get to a place where they actually got joy out of not being invited to the party or not being at that networking event uh, because they were focused on what they needed to be focused on. And so maybe some of you need to, to experience more JOMO this year, the joy of missing out on things because you're focused on what you should be focused on. Because remember, hey, what's important? You only get one shot of this as a parent. So be willing to miss out on things that you would normally love to be a part of because you're saying yes to the right things with your family. One of my friends said that his mentor said to him, watch your kids, watch your kids in your living room, because one day your living room is going to be empty and you'd give anything for your kids to be playing in there. Guys, don't miss out on the season. There's nothing more important than your kids. Remember what's important. And finally, category number six, lessons that I learned on marriage. Number one, you need to have weekly family team meetings. We've been preaching this for years, but you need to do it. Every week, Laura and I have a family team meeting where we get on the same page, we go through our calendar, we go through our finances, we talk through issues, and we make progress on goals. Uh, Laura loves it a lot more than I do, but I'm always glad that we did it once we did it because I'm not normally a meeting guy. But uh, make sure that you have weekly family team meetings. Number two, always have something to look forward to. Always. This was something my father-in-law, Mike, told me before I got married. He said, if you'll always have something to look forward to, you'll always be in a great place because you'll always be living in anticipation for something for your marriage. And so... Always put something on the calendar to look forward to. Date nights, experiences, goal planning session, year-end review dinners. Be intentional. Be intentional in your marriage. Always have something to look forward to. Number three, this was so good. A mentor challenged me. They said, Doug, protect your marriage from soul ties. Protect your marriage from soul ties. What's a soul tie? They're emotional ties with members of the opposite sex or really anyone who isn't for your marriage. I'll say that again because this is important. Protect your marriage from soul ties. Soul ties are emotional ties with members of the opposite sex or really anyone who isn't for your marriage. So leader, what I would do is I would evaluate your life and look for soul ties. Do I have soul ties to anyone who's not for my marriage? And if so, I need to break that immediately. And then have this conversation with your spouse and ask them if they have any soul ties. And the same thing, and they need to break those. Protect your marriage at all costs. Protect your marriage at all costs. This is huge. Well, hey, Leader, thank you so much for listening to part two of the top lessons that I learned in 2021. I hope that they added value to your life. And you can find links to everything that I discussed in the show notes at l3leadership.org forward slash 301. And Leader, I really want to challenge you. It's the new year. If you want to 10x your growth this year, then you need to either launch or join an L3 Leadership Mastermind Group. Mastermind groups are groups of six to 12 leaders that meet together for at least one year in order to help each other grow, achieve their goals, and to do life together. Mastermind groups have been the greatest source of growth in my life over the last six years, which is exactly why I believe that every leader needs to be in a mastermind group. So if you're interested in learning more, go to l3leadership.org forward slash masterminds. And as always, I like to end every episode with a quote, and I'll quote John Maxwell today. This is one of my favorite New Year quotes ever. I share it every single January 1st. He said this, he said, although you cannot go back and have a brand new start, my friend, anyone can start from now and have a brand new end. I love that. Well, leader, keep leading, keep making a difference. Do not quit. The world needs your leadership. Laura and I love you. We believe in you, and we will talk to you next episode. 